Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Numa. I am, with unwavering devotion to the cause of your spiritual and physical well-being, and with total commitment to the goal of living a life that is happy, healthy, thoughtful, and free. Your loyal friend and host, Daniel Finneran. Thank you so very much for joining me today. From the outset, I'll have you know I take neither your listenership nor your companionship unseriously. Indeed, this is something on which I often reflect. I know that across the wide expanse of the web, there are many other voices to which you could be listening. Countless other gurus from whom you might receive guidance, thousands of other influencers on whose more sophisticated pages you could be spending your precious time. That you decided to join me for a brief while is an honor for which I am and shall always be immeasurably grateful. So again, I thank you. If you enjoy my unique approach to mindfulness and to meditation, if you derive some small benefit from my incorporation of the great poets, artists, and authors of the past into the current age, please consider subscribing to this channel and joining our growing community. We are, at this point, about 20 members strong, a number toward whose potential for future growth we can't but look eagerly. The theme of today's meditation is recognizing the difference between being and feeling. That's right, being and feeling. This theme, on which we'll spend a little time, was inspired by my recent reading of Professor Gregory Burns' fine book, The Self-Delusion, the new neuroscience of how we invent and reinvent 
our identities. The book, to which I will include a link in the show notes below, explains how our self-identities are highly malleable. They're susceptible to constant change. We carry with us the notions of a past, a present, and a future self to which all sorts of things can happen. What we lack, however, is a static self on which we can easily put our finger. This frustratingly evasive self, this nimble shadow of which we can never fully get a grasp, appears not to exist. I ask you, where is your self? Is it in your head? In your chest? In your stomach? And who is your self? By what name do we know him or her? In what ways are you related? Let us stop there. We risk losing ourselves in and to this bottomless inquiry. Toward the end of his book, Professor Burns highlights the difference between being and feeling. In thinking about these two words, between which, at first glance, there seems to be only the most insignificant semantic difference, one must be careful. Above all, we must be careful not to mistake feeling for being. What do I mean by this? Before we enlarge upon this idea, let's briefly check in with ourselves. Become aware of your breathing. Is it shallow? Is it rushed? Up high in your chest? Take a moment to deepen, prolong, and control it. Take a slow, deep breath in through your nose. Expand the belly. Hold the breath. And let it go 
through the mouth. Let's repeat that two more times. Very good. With that, we now return to this idea of feeling and being. I'd like for you to do the following. Go into your memory bank. Open up your emotional archives. Scan the variety of emotions by which you were visited today. Just in the past 24 hours, go ahead and flip through everything that you felt. Review your emotions objectively as you might review your purchases of the day. As you would the people with whom you interacted, the tasks you completed. During this period of time, were you visited by sadness, happiness, disappointment, nervousness, anxiety, anger? Notice my portrayal of these emotions as visitors. That's right. Visitors. While I am, as you know, quite susceptible to employing poetic language now and again, I don't just refer to our emotions as visitors in order to gratify my irrepressible need to express myself artistically. No, I do so because, in truth, that's what our emotions are. They are visitors. Sometimes welcome, often 
unwelcome. Our emotions are visitors merely. They come and they go. They go and they come. They materialize and then they fade away. No sooner do they arrive than they bid us adieu. They are transient. Their lease has a short date, a date over which we, in our proprietorship, ultimately have absolute control. We can shorten or extend it at will. It is we who determine how long our emotions will stay with us. We decide if our sadness or happiness persists. We decide how long we remain nervous or insecure. If, by chance, our emotions gain a foothold and take up residence in us, if, like squatters, they become permanently settled in us, it is only because we allow them to do so. On that same token, only we can effectuate their removal. If, on the contrary, they are hastily removed from our minds, it is because we found their company intolerable, unhelpful, or unhealthy, and we wanted it gone. We can either provide them safe harbor or proclaim their banishment. Again, emotions are visitors. They are visitors and nothing more. They come, they go, but they don't occupy us, they don't claim us, they don't make of us a conquest, they don't own us, nor do they define us, they merely pass through us. If we keep them, it is because we agree to their presence, because they are wanted by us. Returning to Professor Burns, 
In his wisdom, he advises us to do the following. The next time you are angry, he says, instead of saying, I am angry, say to yourself, I feel angry. Now, you might wave away this subtlety as too insignificant to make a difference. But it is, in fact, very important. The gap between feeling and being is a wide one, to be sure. Remember, your emotion, in this case, your anger, is a visitor. Anger is something you temporarily feel. It isn't something, or worse, someone that you are. Anger doesn't define you. Anger is merely visiting you. You aren't, in any fundamental, existential sense, angry. You feel angry. And this feeling will go away, soon to be replaced, hopefully, by a happier, gentler one. Why, you ask, is it so much healthier rather to feel than to be an emotion? According to Professor Burns, to feel an emotion is a more neutral appraisal of your internal state. With some effort, he says, you may even be able to isolate the feeling to its naked perceptual component. If you can accomplish this, you will, perhaps for the first time in your life, exercise full control over your emotions, by which, hitherto, you've been helplessly carried away. You'll enjoy more equanimity, more composure, more contentment, less anxiety, less irascibility, 
less stress. You'll no longer identify and become entangled with your emotions. You'll become their spectator, their auditor, their master. That's not to say that You'll suddenly become cold, callous, unfeeling, and inhuman. But that you'll develop a healthier relationship to your emotions. Why don't we conclude our episode today with a short meditation? In it, we'll focus on the language of feeling instead of being. Either aloud or quietly to yourself. I want you to repeat after me. I feel peaceful. feel content. I feel happy. I feel Optimistic. I feel solid. I feel strong. Feel confident. I feel tranquil. I feel good. Must note, it isn't bad emotions that are visitors only. Good emotions are visitors as well, but they are visitors to whom we cordially and merrily and gladly open our doors. They are visitors with whom we want to spend our days. They are visitors from whom we'll 
happily set up a permanent residence and make room. These good emotions open up and invite them into your soul, but always under your terms. Invite the good emotions in, but be careful not to identify with them. Let's conclude with a nice, deep breath in through the nose, into the belly, and out through the mouth. Once again, in through the nose, into the belly, and out through the mouth. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this episode, whose focus was on feeling as opposed to being a given emotion. If you found this episode useful, please share it with a family member and a friend. Check out my other episodes on this channel, Numa, and those on my other channel, Finnerin's Wake, on which I host the greatest conversations the internet has to offer. Tell me, is it your habit to say, I am angry instead of I feel angry? Do you catch yourself doing this as I know I do? If so, tell me about it in the comments below. I do it all the time and am certainly trying to change. Until next time, I am Daniel Finnerin. Fare thee well. From Numa.